Welcome to Arkansas Support Network's podcast, Discussing Disability. Arkansas Support Network is a home and community-based disability service provider supporting folks across the entire state of Arkansas. And in the work that we do, we are focused on making sure that folks with disabilities have the opportunity to live the lives that they choose in the communities that they want to be a part of, and that they're supported to be active and engaged members of those communities. Because of that, we come across lots of different aspects of life every day. It's our job to support people as they navigate all aspects of life. And this podcast has become a conversation for us to really be able to dig in and explore the various aspects of life that we encounter every day from different perspectives. So we invite people from all across the organization, people with different roles and responsibilities within the organization to come together and have a discussion just about life and what's going on. My name is Dr. Sayard Evans. I'm the host. I'm also the CEO here at Arkansas Support Network. Today, I'm excited because we have a really good group of guys that's here to share with us a little bit about themselves and their relationship with Arkansas Support Network and really kind of dig into what it's like to be a member of the ASN family in different roles and from different perspectives. So I want to start out by going around. Today we have Michael, and I'm going to kick it over to him to be able to lead off the introductions, and then we'll move our way around the table. Michael, tell us about yourself and tell us about your relationship with Arkansas Support Network. Hey, my name's Michael Bolte. I've been an ASN client for the past 17 plus years, and I've really enjoyed it. I mean, I've learned a lot, and I just appreciate everybody from ASN. That's a good way to start out. All right. Now we'll move around table to Andrew. If you want to similarly tell us about yourself and your relationship with ASN. Unlike my uh, compatriot over there, I've only been with this agency for, I believe, five going on six years because I moved down here in 2015. And while I don't know as much as he does, I'm happy to be here. Nevertheless, let's get this started. Okay, awesome. Well, and here's what I know about ASN. Everybody knows the piece of ASN that they know as experts, right? ASN is a big conglomerate of a thing, and we all have very different relationships with the organization. And so the one that you have is a valid perspective that we are glad we have here today. And then we have Johannes that's here with us. Will you introduce yourself and tell us about your relationship with ASN? Okay. Uh, I'm Johannes Seifu. I'm from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. I've been in ASN for about six and a half years. I'm, I work as a staff helping people with you know, behavioral disability and other kind of disability. And I enjoy ASN because they're very, you know, helpful to help the staff grow as well, plus helping people with disabilities be included in the community and all that. So I really like it. Awesome. And then sitting right there next to you, we have Jared. Jared, can you tell us about yourself and your relationship with ASN? Yes, I can. What's your name? This is Sayard. I can tell you. (laughs) Tell me. I like Having good staff, and and I'm very proud of that. Well, good. Jared, do you know how long you have had a relationship with ASN? Gosh, it's been a long time. Long time. You and I go way back, right? Yeah, I still remember you. Yeah, I remember you too. I'm always going to remember you. <laughs> well, good. How old were you when you and I met? 
gosh, I guess about 19. Whose idea was it for you to meet me? I think I was 19, so you were probably younger. You were probably 14. It was my supervisor at the time who sent me to your house and told me I needed to go provide supports to you. Olivia. Mm-hmm. That's who it was. You're right. And why did you become my program manager? Because somebody thought that I did a good job of being your direct support professional, so they... So whose idea was it for you to become my program manager? I don't remember at the time. Keith Byers. Was it? Maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, we're glad you're here, and I'm going to go around the table and ask some questions. And I'd like to start with Michael. I'm excited to have Johannes here, and I have been able to kind of witness and watch Johannes do some really good work recently, provide some really good supports. Actually, your relationship with Jared started kind of on a last minute thing, and you were asked to provide supports to him in a way that was challenging. And it was really impressive to watch you kind of show up and learn about his needs and really be committed to supporting him the way that we want people to be supported at ASN. And I appreciate that. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you here today. And it makes me think a lot about making sure that we are focused on understanding what good support means and listening to the people we support. And so the question that I have for Michael and Andrew and Jared to kick us off, and we'll start with Michael and then we'll just go around the table, is what does it mean for you for a support staff to be a good support staff? What are the characteristics of a good support staff and how do they treat you? How do they interact with you? How do they make you feel? What does a good support staff look like? I would say it's somebody who respects you mm-hmm. and does not manipulate you. Mm-hmm. And so I can think of right now. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about what it feels like to be respected or what does someone do that makes you feel like they respect you? Mm, that's kind of a hard question. But I'd say like be nice and kind mm-hmm. and know what my triggers are Mm -hmm. and other things that like either angers me or makes me happy yeah somebody who takes the time to learn about you yeah and learn who you are makes you feel respected yes ma'am that's good stuff i like it andrew what about you what does a good direct support professional look like what are the characteristics they have the characteristics that i look for in staff are Maturity, because I don't need to be worried about checking them. They have to check me. That's literally a job description. Beyond that, though, I look for roles that can fit in my life. Example, my aide over here, Miss Sarah, she's new to the company, but she loves to travel. So I, too, love to travel when I can. So when we go... I go with her because she loves to travel. I love to travel. I like to look for congruence, as it were. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. And we talk a lot about at ASN, but also just in the industry. You know, the workforce shortage is such a a challenging factor for everyone doing the work that we do that we wind up getting to this place where We're so short-staffed most of the time that we're putting people in positions just to fill shifts. 
But the reality is, is that the only way that we get good quality supports are when we're able to match people with direct support professionals based on their interests and based on the things they love to do. I think your example of, you know, loving to travel, and I'm sure you've had direct support staff who don't like to travel, right? Having people, you know, that you're trying to navigate this conversation with every day who don't enjoy the things you do or hate the things that you want to be doing, that really creates an additional barrier and additional challenge to having good quality services. Indeed it does. But also what I try to do, because this just is me, right? And you know my background. So yeah. anyway, if there's something I don't jive well with a person, I try to find something they're into and I learn from them in exchange. Yeah, I think that's a good strategy. And I also think it's a strategy that requires a pretty developed skill set, right? Like not everybody has the ability to do that and do that well. And so you do have a pretty unique perspective in your educational achievements and attainments and the things that you've accomplished in your life that really give you the ability to do that, which is a great thing, I think. I think my professors would be proud of what I'm using my skills for so far. Yeah. So it occurs to me that I know your background, but people listening don't. Will you share what your educational background is? Yes. I have a bachelor's in psychology with a minor's in sociology, and I have a master's in rehabilitation, counseling, and sciences. Very impressive. Class of 2013 or no, wait, 2012, sorry. I was about My to say, bad. you're at your 10-year anniversary, but you're actually at your 11-year anniversary. That's very cool. Yeah, don't remind me. <laughs> Please don't remind Time me. Time marches on. Time waits for no man or woman, as Or they anyone say. else. No, it's true. Yeah. Jared, how's it going? Pretty good. Good. What do you think makes a good direct support professional? What are good staff? What do they do? What do they say? How do they treat you? Well, they treat me good, and they wasn't treating me good, I'd definitely tell you. I believe that. I know that to be true. And I remember you being Olivia's assistant, and staff didn't show up, and I'd run outside and that crazy. <laughs> well, you certainly have a gift of communicating your frustrations when you're frustrated in a way that makes a very strong point. When you were Olivia's assistant, Olivia would call you at 8.15. <laughs> Probably later than that. Can I go back to what you said about people treating you good? What does that mean? What does it look like for somebody to treat you good? What are the things that they do when you feel like they're treating you good? Well, just being nice and, you know, stuff like that. And I did a presentation in Hot Springs. You did. I was there. It was amazing. And you know what? I used to have staff that hit me and put bruises on me. That's not a good thing. Yeah, I know. And I was really proud of you. I was also very much moved by you in that presentation and what you shared. What you shared were that you experienced some really bad things from staff, but you've been able to communicate the things that have happened to you right. and get those addressed. And that's really what's important to me. I said that in the presentation. You did. And uh, I was very proud of being on stage. I was proud of you. And I'm still proud of it. You should be. You should carry that with you, for sure. And why is there main staff in the world? I don't understand it. Yeah, you know, I think that's a beautiful question. And I think about it a lot. 
And I think that there are a lot of contributing factors. It's very disappointing to me. It is, but I think this is an important thing for us to kind of put out on this conversation. I think that, one, there are just mean people in the world, right? That there are people that whether they're direct support staff or not, they have a certain approach and perspective and attitude, and that influences the conversation. But I also think the way that we structure our Medicaid system and our service system, the way that we pay for services and the lack of resources that we pay for services, we create this profession, this work that doesn't give people the resources they need or the training they need or the supervision that they need to be successful. So sometimes I think there are people that come into this work and they're mean because they're just mean, right? And I don't like that. I don't either. I do not either. But sometimes I think that there are people that come into this work and they do things the wrong way and they do things that are perceived as mean and are mean, but not because they're mean people, but because they don't have the resources to learn the skills they need to learn to be able to be good at the work. And I think that's a great place to ask Johannes a couple of questions because you guys have all talked about from your perspective as someone who relies on direct support professionals what a good direct support professional is, what the characteristics they have. I definitely think that Johannes is a good direct support professional. Yes. And I'm curious about why do you do the work that you do the way that you do? All right. That's actually a good question. For me, religiously, I'm a Christian. And in every work I do, I try to say, hey, God is watching whatever you do, even if no one is watching. So I try to live my life as that. And this job is actually a very fulfilling job, you know. It's actually good for your soul. You're actually helping people that need your help. And I believe this job has a mutually assured growth. Uh, I'm helping the people with disabilities achieve their goals. But I believe God is also working on me. In this job, I have seen changes in myself in patience because it requires patience, kindness, and empathy and helps you build your heart as well. And for the people I work for, I try to make their life every day, you know, to be happy, whatever their goals are to accomplish it. So mutually assured growth, like I said, and it gives you actually encouragement. I've worked with Andrew before, like you said, he is, even with all his circumstances, he has accomplished master's degree and he's very well versed and educated. So tell me, hey, what is your excuse? You can perform higher education, you know, achieve that goal. I see Jared, he's always grateful. When we were driving back and forth from Hot Springs, he was like, I'm very grateful. I'm happy to be here. And such little things, I see him having, you know, very thankfulness. So I'm like, hey, I'm not going to complain about anything anymore. I'm going to be grateful as well. So I just try to see life that way. I really, really like that. Mutual assured growth. That's what you said. I love that concept. In my mind, One of the reasons why we don't get direct supports right when we don't get them right is because we go into relationships thinking that as support providers, we are the ones giving and that we're receiving nothing, that it is a one way relationship where it's our job to either provide support or it's our job to provide control or decision making or whatever. And when I see direct support, go well. And I I see that really quality direct support 
what I see is a mutual relationship between two human beings that are existing in a space and a place where I'm learning you and understanding what you need from me, but you're also learning me and understanding what I need from you, that to be able to get the support necessary from a direct support professional. It's necessary for folks receiving supports to be able to trust them and to communicate with them and to be able to explain to them, you know, what those needs are. But that's a skill that we don't always give people the opportunity to develop because we don't always listen, right? We, we come in with this kind of one-sided expectation of a relationship. So I love, you know, that mutually assured growth is such a, a positive and productive perspective to be able to think about the time that we're spending together as, you know, it's already defined for you. The time that we're spending together is about me supporting you on some need, but that's usually where the definition stops. You know, that's where the job description stops. That's where the instructions from the supervisor sometimes stop. But good direct support exists in our ability to define that whole relationship and interaction that I need you ultimately to be human with me. And I need to be able to support you in the way that I can, but I also need the opportunity to learn from you and to be supported by you in the way that you can. That's beautiful. And I love it. I'm curious, Andrew, what your thoughts are about that. Well, I love the idea of mutual growth because you cannot be with someone 24 hours a day, four people a day, minimum sometimes five, and not have interaction, even if you cut all talking, cut all nonsense, and just do the bare bones of the job. You do feel the energy of that room, and you have to either interact or somehow sever all ties. And that's the second is just not healthy. I'll give you an example of just this morning. I think it's appropriate. Miss Sarah came in early this morning to make sure she could get me here on time. And she said, can I have 30 minutes of quiet time? You know, just, I need it. And I was like, you came here early. I'm going to go to my room, light some incense, wake up. And she got what she needed. I got what I needed. We moved on. Here we are. It's about cooperation and growth together. Without those two things, the way we define the aids that we have today would not work at all. Yeah. In my opinion. No, I agree with that. Michael, what about you? Do you feel like there are things that you've been able to accomplish in your life because you've had a good cooperative relationship from a DSP? Yes, ma'am. Can you tell me about them? For one, I have almost 100% control over my anger. And I've also learned how to look people in the eyes when I'm talking to them. Because for a long time in my life, I had never was able to do that. And I'm just very thankful for yeah. that. Can you tell me about the learning how to control your anger? Specifically, how have good direct support staff helped you learn how to do that? What are some things that they've done to support or encourage you? Mm, that's kind of a hard question. Yeah? I would say, like, they treat me more like I'm an adult, especially my caregiver, Casey, over there. He really does treat me like an adult, and I appreciate that of him. Yeah, I appreciate that of him, too. When you say treat me like an adult, one of the things I think about almost immediately, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but when you say treat me like an adult, I think about listening, right? When somebody treats me like an adult, I feel like they listen to what I say, and they take me seriously. He does. Okay. I appreciate that of him. Yeah, that's a good thing. 
I mean, he's, he's like a brother to me. Yeah. Well, and that definitely helps when you're frustrated, right? Yeah. It's funny. It's not funny. It's actually kind of sad. But I think what happens to a lot of folks who receive services is that they get angry about things and they get frustrated about things and they try to tell people about their anger and their frustration and nobody listens, right? They, they don't treat us like an adult. They don't listen to us. And then we get more frustrated and then we do things that get us in trouble. I'm using air quotes that we do things. Sometimes we act out our frustrations because nobody's listening. And then we kind of get this label that gets put on us that we have these anger issues. Right. And I'm going to counseling on Mondays. Counseling is a good thing as well to help with some of that frustration. And counseling is also another example of a professional, someone in a professional role, listening to us. I think Michael makes a really good point, Jared, and you tell me if you agree with him, that listening is a really important part of good supports. Do you think that's true? Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. Michael, what you got? Yeah. I'd also like to say that if it wasn't myself, Casey... I wouldn't have learned how to actually talk to people who I'm angry with, talking to them at the time that I'm angry. And I really appreciate that of him very much. Well, listen, Casey and I might need to talk because I'm not always good at talking to people that I'm angry at when I'm really angry. He has helped me a lot, and I really appreciate that of him. He's been working with me for the past four years, I think. Maybe four years next month. That brings me to another question that I think is a really important question to think about. Everybody at this table has had probably more support relationships than you can count. Those of you that receive services, you've had, I don't know, hundreds of DSPs. Johannes, I'm sure you have been asked to go provide supports to more folks than you can count. What is the most challenging part of having someone new on your team. Casey's been with you for years. You know Casey. Right, and so has my weekend staff, Beverly. Yep. So you know those folks. You know what works. You know what doesn't. You've learned how to communicate. But what are some of the hardest parts about having a new staff on your team? Well, let me think. I'd say, like, if they don't know what angers you Mm -hmm. or what makes you sad or whatever. Yeah takes a while to figure those things out sometimes. Yeah. And I'm currently having an issue with a staff that's been my staff for about a month or so. Mm -hmm. She's just been doing things and letting me do things I should not be doing. Mm -hmm. And as of a couple of days ago, tries to lie about what she did, saying that I was lying. And I did not appreciate that. Yeah, that is a challenging situation. But I still haven't talked to her about that, though. But yeah, that's in the fear of actually acting out. Yeah, no, I can understand that. And I think it's important in those situations to be able to use those supports that you have, like your relationship with Casey, to be able to talk about how can I approach this? How can I, you know, be productive in the way I address this. Right. But it's a really scary thing. And when you're bringing new people onto your team and into your home and really having to kind of build that trust, it's an ongoing process that takes some time. Right. To be honest, for me, when I do first meet somebody, I would consider them my friend until they show me otherwise. Okay. Well, you are a very giving person. I am. You take the perspective of, 
I'm going to believe you to be a trustworthy person until you prove to me you're not. Right. And I give people three chances. I'm a three chance kind of guy. But there's been some other times get more than three chances. Sure. Michael, I just want to say that I really respect the strategy that you have to that. The thought process that you've put into actually having a plan to say, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to think that you're a trustworthy person until you prove to me that you're not. And I'm going to give you multiple chances because people are human. Right. Sometimes they mess up. I think that is an amazing skill and an amazing approach. And I really right. respect that from you. And to, to be honest here, mm -hmm. the, the staff that I have now that's supposed to be on Monday and Tuesdays, I am honestly thinking of having her removed yeah. because, I mean, she does help me a lot at work when technically she's not supposed to be. Yeah. And she does wander off sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know where she's at. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm at work. Yeah. There are certainly a lot of issues going on, it sounds like. And I appreciate the fact that you're clearly giving it a lot of thought and trying to think about how you move forward with it. And I respect that. And it's certainly not a an issue that we solve on a podcast. Right. But it's something that I'm glad that you have support from folks like Casey to be able right. to work through that. Right. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're very welcome. Andrew, what about you? What's the biggest challenge of navigating the sometimes constant rotating door of new people coming into your life? I think for me, it's probably the easiest in this group. I don't mean to say they haven't developed their own strategies. They've obviously put a lot of thought into it, and they've done well by themselves. But for me, the reason it's easy is because I was in higher education. I was bombarded by people and papers and professors and emails, and the list goes on and on and on. And that skill to endure and become resilient carried me beyond college to here. You see what I'm saying? So it's not hard for me to go from one support personnel to another. The hard part for me is I can tell when someone's having a bad day and I automatically want to go, what's wrong? And of course, that's their personal business. I know where the boundaries are. I would have to know the boundaries. Otherwise, I wouldn't have graduated. So I'm sitting there going, I know something's wrong. I want to help can't. What do, you, what do you do? And instead of focusing on what I can't help or fix or anything of that nature, I try to divert to things we can mutually just walk the road on. And if we can't, I give them space. Yeah, that's good. I certainly hear you and I know you. I know that this is true, that you have you know, a skill set that's really able to, I think, manage some of the change and some of the, you know, new personnel and new expectations. There's a part of me that still recognizes that there's anxiety in a new person showing up at your home today, or even just concern or worry or frustration, right? Like one of the things that I hear from folks we support a lot is that, you know, it's not always that I have a new staff person. It's that I just spent six months getting the previous one trained the way that I want to. And now here we are starting over again. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about, because this is one thing that I do have a, a mild frustration over. Not a, like I'm mad sure. about it, but it's just a thing. Let's say that I'm trying to do a diet, right? And I am because I'm getting up there. 
you have to watch after yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we might need to talk about that after. And then afterwards, like, let's say another staff member moves on or is asked to go to a different house or they quit or any number of reasons that you can come up with. Now I have to train someone else to hopefully do the same thing that the last person did. And it can become such a utter nightmare at times trying to organize something. For instance, my first DSP, my main DSP, the one I started with, he had to move on. And then literally it was me and another staff member here for a solid month and a half. She practically lived with me. And I was like, this is a lot of one person. I mean, she must be getting annoyed with me too. I mean, I'm tired of seeing your face. I like you. I still am tired of seeing your face. I can, I understand that. And it goes both ways. It's like, I can't be mad at her because she must be mad at me for just the smallest of things too. That's when you get to that point where just the sound of a person's breath irritates you you know like yeah you're chewing your food stop it and for that reason that's why i don't mind the revolving door i mean it's weird because i have to change how i behave around certain ones but not like drastic yeah no i understand that and i think it's a good point that the support relationship is complicated and there are pros and cons i think to the different scenarios that we see and it's one we're always trying to have to kind of navigate I once compared it to the dating show of the 80s, yeah. you know, where they had to identify by voice to like, do you want to take this person on a date? And hopefully it's not a serial killer. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all hope that? <laughs> that is funny, but that's also true. There was a serial killer on that show in the 80s and they caught him like 10 years later. It's funny. It's also terrifying that it parallels so well to the DSP relationship as well. It does, because you have to watch out for those red flags. And no, there's no serial killers here, but there are certainly disgruntlements across all sides and various other issues that have to be addressed and readdressed. And again, it goes on and on. I could continue, but I'm trying to give everybody an open shot here to yeah. keep, keep the ball rolling. Well, apparently that's the theme of the day. You guys are all about giving people chances and starting from a place of positivity until things are proven wrong. And I just think that's a beautiful frame because I know that for all of you, people have given you reason not to think that way, right? Anybody that engages in the support system, you've come across folks that have not done their job well and they've taken advantage of the situation and all those things. And so I think it's just an amazing perspective to say, I'm going to you know, start with giving people the benefit of the doubt and going from there. So I appreciate both of you guys for sharing that. Jared. Yes. I still remember you helping me get my own place. Yeah, I remember that too. Why did you do that? Because that's what you said you wanted to do. Yeah. And I remember you saying you better not tear up anything (laughs) in my car. I probably did say that. I'm sure I did. Your memory is way better than mine. That's what I remember, is that Jared always remembers the details that I don't. And they usually involve me frustrated and raising my voice. (laughs) There's a correlation there. But for me, that also reinforces the fact that you and I have always been good about being human together. And and I I used to get mad at you. Yeah, same, same. Hey, can I ask you this question that we've taken around the table? Yeah. What is the hardest part about having a new DSP come into your team? A new what? A new support staff. 
having a new staff come onto your team? Like, what are the challenges with that? What do you worry about when you've got a new staff coming in? I'm worried about they're going to be mean to me is what I'm worried about. Yeah. And I know you, so I know the answer to this, but the people listening don't necessarily know you. How does that worry feel for you? Is it something you think about constantly or is it something that maybe you worry about once and then you set it aside? How does worrying about new people being mean to you, how does that affect you? I get scared sometimes. Yeah. Do you think about it a lot? Yeah, I do. Life's a scary situation. Did you know that? Yeah, I do know that. Before we move on to the next person at the table with this question, I just want to make sure that there's nothing else you want to add about what you worry about when you have new people coming on your team. You said you worry about them being mean to you. Are there other things that you worry about? Well, I miss my family a lot. I miss my dad a lot. I miss your dad a lot. And, you know, I wish he hadn't died, but he did. Yep. And I will be missing him for the rest of my life. Yep. That's what happens when people pass away. That is what happens. They never come back. They're gone. Yep. Is it hard when you have new direct support staff that come into your home? Is it hard to explain that to them? Sometimes it is. Yeah. It's stuff that maybe you are worried about or thinking about or sad about and they don't know about it. Right. Okay. All right. Johannes, I want to ask you the same question from the different perspective. When you get that phone call, obviously your support relationship with Jared began because there was a last minute need and it was to travel, right? So here, I don't know this person, but I'm being asked to come and provide supports at a conference, out of town, multiple days. That's a big ask. Yes. I was afraid I wasn't going to get to go down there. Yep. But Johannes supported you to do it, and it was great. He did a good job. Do you think he did a good job? Yes. Good, good. But I'm curious, I want to hear from him, you know, what are some of the challenges when you're showing up at somebody's house and, you know, you're asked to cover a shift or to take a position or, you know, you're going in? What are the difficulties in being a DSP who's been asked to come and provide supports to someone new? Well, you have to be open-minded and communicate well with everyone that works around the client and the staff and supervisors as well. Uh, so you never know, like, what kind of medicines do they need? You know, what angers them? What kind of behavioral environment do they need? All that. You have to be willing to be quick learn about it. So, uh, yeah, just I have to be open-minded and be ready to adapt fast. So That's, that's a good perspective. I also am curious, correct me if I'm wrong, but... You went through the NADSP DSP certification. You're a DSP one. Is that yes. correct? Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience and any value or benefit that you gained from that? Any maybe thoughts that you might share with other DSPs that are thinking about doing that same type of certification? This is a very good learning. The courses they had on there uh, teach you more about different situations, different types of behavior problems and the other staffs as well, what they experienced and other people, what their experience was. You know, every person is not the same. Every situation is not the same. And the NADSP just was very thoughtful and helped me a lot in that learning about Good. it. So would you recommend it? I'd recommend it. Yeah. I was actually asking uh, Noah last time if there was another training. Yeah. 
Well, so this becomes an ASN commercial a little bit. So we have recently gone through the application process for another DSP-1 cohort. So we've got folks that are coming on that are going to be going through that same process that you went through. But as a part of that, we're really interested in looking at how we kind of create some mentoring relationships with people that have gone through in the past to kind of connect into some of those groups. There's a DSP-1 certification, which you have. There's also a DSP-2 and a DSP-3. And so there are definitely opportunities to continue to develop those skills. And our relationship with NADSP has been wonderful. It's really helpful. It's really beneficial. There's so many things that I think everybody here at this table talks about that we know are important when it comes to providing good quality supports. And the NADSP folks have really done a good job of defining those things, the 15 core competencies and the code of ethics, and really helping us be consistent in the expectations that we have. And so I'm excited about that. And I think there's a lot of ways for us to plug in and continue to expand that work so that we're creating a network of DSPs that are better prepared to come in and do exactly what you've described, to meet people with this open-minded perspective, trying to learn them quickly and learning all the support needs, but also to engage in that work of you know, mutual growth together and really recognizing that the work of good direct support is about existing in relationship with another human being and the balance of that. So I appreciate all of you guys for coming today. I'd welcome any final thoughts that you might have, any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave us with. I wouldn't say this is a closing thought, but it's a thought that carries through on our last question about how do you get used to the revolving door? For me, the hardship is not when I meet them because I can gauge whether it will work fairly quickly, but it is the leaving. Because you get used to, let's say, Miss Sarah, for example, on my end. I'm used to her for two days. She's mine till 10 o'clock. And it's like, then the next individual comes in. Now, luckily, I have Andrew Bray. And he is, you know, you know how professional he is. He used to work here. So, I mean, technically, he still does. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. I do, I he do, used I to do. work in the, yeah. And he was my first introduction to this company. Yeah. And so when I heard that he could become my nice step, I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. Like, he has helped guide me in ways, and so has she. And that's what I really try to look for when they do leave, because it does sting. Mm -hmm. But I look for what they've done every week to help me further the goals I do have. Whether they're listed within your programs or whether they're not. Yeah. Because not everything can be a goal automatically. Right. Got to develop habits first. I love it. That's good stuff. And I appreciate that contribution because I do recognize sometimes we spend so much time focused on this workforce shortage, right? So the focus always is on how do we get, how do we bring people in? And sometimes I don't think we give enough attention to the fact that we need to make sure that we're supporting people to mourn and to grieve the loss of important relationships that they lose when folks move on. And sometimes it's a great reason why they move on. You know, we have folks that work for us while they're going to college and they get their degree and then they move on to the, you know, area that they always wanted to have a career in. And we're glad for them. We're excited for them. But we also know if they were good support staff and they did a good job while they were here, that especially for the person that receives services, it's a loss. It does sting, as you said. It is a loss 
that I think is really important for us as an organization to make sure that we're supporting people around that loss process as well. Yeah. Because if we don't address both ends of that, there's an imbalance yeah. in the force. There so is an imbalance. And I think that imbalance makes it harder to be open to the coming in, yeah. right? Like if, if I am hurt because of the loss of the person that's leaving, I'm less likely to really engage in a good, productive relationship with the person coming in. So I think that's a great point. I appreciate you. Anybody else? Anything you'd like to say? Go for it, Michael. Okay. I'd like to say this This was my first time doing a podcast. Uh-huh. I hope it's been a good experience. It has been. And I'm like what everybody has said. Uh-huh. Me too. And I'm proud. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Thank you. And you know, I'm glad I have good staff now. Me too. Well, let's check in with Johannes and see if he has something to end with. Thank you for this podcast. I'm glad we all shared our thoughts and everything. It was very nice. Thank you for the invite. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming and sharing. I got another thing I want to say. Okay. It's about my friend Jared. Like his dad uh -huh. was my first staff in ASN. He's an amazing guy, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I worked with him. It was sad that when I heard that he died, he died of sleep apnea, which I currently have sleep apnea. Oh, that's scary. It's very scary. Creates a lot of worry. But Jared's dad was a great guy. And I'm glad we all got to know him because Jared's life is better. My life is better. And your life is better because Jeff was in it. And, you know, my dad, well, he loved me a lot. He did love you a lot. He did. I would like to end on that note of your dad loved you a lot. And I know that to be very, very true. And so how long am I going to miss him? The rest of your life. Just like how I miss my dad. Every time I think about him, it hurts. It does. But you know what? I'm glad that you've had the opportunity to know the people that you've had in your life, like Jeff. I know. Who have served positive roles in there. Yeah. So, yeah. guys, we're at time. And so we're going to have to cut it off. But I appreciate so much this discussion. I appreciate you sharing. Thank I know you. that a lot of this is personal and a lot of it is not necessarily fun to talk about all the time. But yeah. I also know that ASN as an organization and really the world in general get better by listening to these discussions and really learning from one another and really being committed to understanding everybody's perspective. It's one of the reasons why we're doing the podcast. It's one of the reasons why it's so important to me is that I know that there's so much to learn when we sit down and we talk to each other and we share our experiences. So thank you so much. And for those of you listening, we hope you've enjoyed this discussion and we hope you join in for Discussing Disability, a podcast hosted by Arkansas Support Network. <laughs>